Hello, and my name is Pete Rushmer, and I'm your host today of a Half Dozen Things podcast. A Half Dozen Things is a podcast for business owners just like you. Whether you're an underdog hungry for success or you're already smashing it but want to continue to level up, we are here each week for you to get insight and learning from the very best in the business. No fluff, no BS and no self-proclaimed gurus talking about how easy business or life is. Just real, raw and frank conversations. My curiosity and impatience in seeking success has encouraged me to create a Half Dozen Things podcast. I designed it to bring you simplicity and discovery back to the forefront of your lives. We are all such busy people, it's easy to overlook the simple things we could be doing to achieve wealth, success and happiness. I'm really excited to be joined today by Nikki Morby. Nikki founded HR Your Business Matters five years ago and they're an outsourced HR consultancy. She's absolutely incredible and I met her several years ago. We have been great strategic partners ever since. Uh, she founded a HR community called HR Connect Over Coffee. We get on like a house on fire so I really hope you enjoy today's podcast. So please do listen in and I hope you enjoy it. So the red red light is rolling and I'm buzzing to be joined by Nikki Morby from HR Your Business Matters on today's episode of A Half Dozen Things. She has been a long time coming and has been quite the hard fish to catch in the in the river today. So I'm really pleased to have Nikki join me. Um, Nikki and I have known each other for couple of years now at least isn't it and uh, we've done loads of work together and um, I'm genuinely honoured to be a business associate and friend as well of such an awesome powerful woman as Nikki. So uh, Nikki uh, could you just introduce yourself to the listeners please? Yeah thanks Pete so yeah I'm Nikki and I head up a business called HR Your Business Matters Um, what started off just as a sole HR consultant five just over five years ago now Um, and now we have a team of five and we deliver HR services and recruitment and training. Awesome thank you and Nikki has got the best half dozen things they're absolutely awesome so the first one is have the right people in the right place at the right time people by people so stop selling at me Uh, she's also got fuck them off trust me do it parental guidance warning obviously on the language Uh, but that's all good doing the right thing even when no one's watching strategic partners and prioritize yourself first and always Nikki's really put some thought into these and I think that's absolutely awesome so I really appreciate you putting that level of effort in obviously things were a little bit tricky trying to get you on so have you been really busy with COVID and all that sort of thing Nikki? I have been super busy so we're a whole nother level um, but with, with busy brings its own challenges doesn't it so um, I think we are all weathering some sort of storm this year absolutely it's uh, I hate the word, but it's unprecedented, isn't it? And there's lots of silver linings, but there's there's an incredible ma- amount of learnings from it as well. Yeah, definitely. I think I think there's been such a good opportunity to learn and and sort of really re-strategize as well, and and sort of understand uh, what business is going to look like in the future as well. And I think it's actually been a really great opportunity for businesses like yours and and mine as well, uh, where we can really. Uh, look to push on and really sort of develop ourselves into 2021 which I think is going to be a great year to be fair now that we've got the vaccine ready or so they say anyway so the first say again sorry 
Fingers crossed. Yeah, fingers crossed. Exactly right. We couldn't be doing with any more CJRS and JSS and all those different acronyms. I'm, I'm sure I'm saying those acronyms in my sleep now. Absolutely. <laughs> and, and who even know, knew w, WTF? Who even knew what furlough effing meant at the beginning of the year? No, no, that's the thing. And it was just the pace of how everything happened. You know, all of a sudden there were these, this terminology that nobody even knew about, you know, job retention scheme and furlough. And, and it brought into play the contractual terms and, and all of that sort of stuff, which is obviously my world at a HR perspective. And, and people had to get to grips with the situation and also the emotions of the situation as well. And that whole fear around the virus and, and the whole amount of exposure and just diversifying that had to happen so incredibly quickly massive massive positives to businesses to be able to react that quickly and they did yeah definitely and i think um you know you they're going to react when they've got such a dedicated hr person as yourself uh, behind the scenes nikki (laughs) just to put people in this on the scene it's monday and it's 8 p.m and nikki and i are just starting to record the podcast that is the level of dedication from this girl here we've just been recording a or just been doing a uh, hr connect session for hr connect over coffee which is a group that nikki founded uh, a few years ago and i i kindly tag along as part of the committee but uh, yeah done a session on men's mental health which uh, i smashed by the way so i'm just going to signpost people to hr connect over coffee quickly and then let's get on to your half dozen things so the first one is having the right people in the right place at the right time nikki yeah i think so so i've thought about half dozen things in regards to my business journey and my personal and professional development over the last five years rather than kind of gearing it towards um hr specifically but having the right people in the right place so if i think back of when i first started out the business so i was on maternity leave um and thought actually do i want to return to my role um, as a field-based hr practitioner up and down the country constantly staying away and what did that look like um and i decided no actually while i was on maternity leave i was going to start my business um and in my mind very naively at the time i thought that i would have a handful of amazing clients i do have amazing clients by the way but i'd have a handful of amazing clients and 90 percent of my time would be spent doing the HR that I love um, and the rest of the time would be on all of that businessy stuff which I really kind of hadn't had a lot of exposure to and then within kind of three months of going live and then six months of going live literally reality slapped me straight in the face because I realized that actually it was the complete opposite 20% of my time was spent doing HR and then you know I was just consumed with all of the other things that goes into building a business and and I was trying to be an accountant and a social media guru and you know all of these different things came into play that I had no acknowledgement of and no awareness of and I suppose the big learning for the first 12 months was that I was so incredibly busy trying to up my development for what I needed to be to grow the business but then also to do actually where my my passion was as well so I think the big learning for me is outsource outsource and outsource some more um create a network around you of those professionals that you know that you like that you trust and build that as quickly as you possibly can and then outsource and use those people and you know I've got an absolutely amazing accountant um you know all things like social media and all of the back office systems and all of that sort of stuff I'm now in a place where I've outsourced the things that I don't like and I don't want to do because we start our own businesses because we want to enjoy every minute of every day. But outsource it if you're if you're not sure what to do, if you don't have a specialism or you don't like it, just outsource it because your time is so much better spent doing the things that you love and growing the business 
and creating that network and, and building and those sales and all the things that you want to do. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's so important to find that balance of knowing when to bring someone in. So with regards to sort of finding the right people, at what stage were you when you brought in your first person and did they stick around? I imagine they did because I know what you like. <laughs> so did they stick around and when did they come in? Yeah. So within kind of six months, I'd completely maxed out. I was working more hours than I'd ever worked when I was employed. And, and that was a lot of hours. Um, and I was spending so much time almost procrastinating on everything and trying to figure everything out just because I just wasn't taking the advice that was around me to say, why are you trying to do accounts? Why are you trying to do this and this actually outsource it? And so for the first 12 months, it was an incredibly big learning curve for me. Um, and then when I finally outsourced it to, to third parties or whatever, who picked up those things for me, then I found a whole heap more time to be more productive. So kind of that, that, initial growth for the first 12 months but then it really kind of went into another peak after that 18 month point where I had that time back and and sales again and new clients just came on board and I kind of I'll touch on that more when when we go through strategic partners um you know but after that 18 month point heading towards two years there was just no way that I could keep on top of the amount of clients and I've always been incredibly fortunate and grateful that we've always had a pipeline of continuous new referrals and and clients come through so there's been a natural build um, but I definitely knew after that 18 months that I needed to, to grow the business and that included bringing people in and yeah like you know we've now got a team of five um, advisors um, that work alongside me and they're yeah incredibly talented really really good. Awesome and, and I can only just totally agree with how how awesome your team are. One of the things I was going to ask you which is probably quite relevant based on your profession but how do you go about finding the right people and making sure that they they then stick around? And I know that's a really broad question yeah. but take it where you like. Yeah no absolutely and and you know what it's really bob on and it's really really important especially what we're going through with everything else considered. Um, historically you would create a job description and it would be very task or very duties orientated and if they see if you had the qualifications if you had the set experience as far as the technical ability that's it jobs yours and actually as we now understand culture is so so important and behaviors and personalities within an organization are so important um so really when i grew my team obviously being a HR practitioner with a real interest in my personal style and behaviours and, um, you know, all of the, the psychometric assessments and things that can happen. I, I believe I have a good understanding of myself and what my skills are, but very much around what, what I lack. So building my team, I didn't want five of me. Can you imagine the chaos that would <laughs> proceed if there was five of me? So um, I've very much gone out and picked people that, we complement each other. So their skills are my weaknesses and vice versa. And it's around having people that um, are really into the detail, really into the research, that have got great communication styles for lots of different clients because we work across all, you know, all sectors and in different industries. So it was about focusing more so on behaviours and personalities rather than technical ability because I can teach I do obviously as you know Pete I teach HR and leadership and management um, so I can teach all of the skills um, and the technical ability but I can't teach people to have the behaviors and the characteristics that I need for my team. Absolutely and that's that's vital and and it's something that you have instilled in me as I've developed the business as well and realizing how important it is to have not not 
lots of mini peats running around and uh <laughs> but it's much better to have a range and a variety of people and i'll be building my team accordingly i think one final question before i sort of move on to our second area and that is when when do you decide that it's the right time because that causes so much procrastination and it's such a challenge for people if they're listening it's sort of knowing there's kind of like this window of opportunity where work builds and you either wait to bring someone in, but until you know, you've got all the money that can pay for them or whether you go, do you know what? I'm going to take a punt and I haven't quite got enough money, but do you know what? The more time that I'm going to get free by bringing that person in, will I'm confident that that will happen. What, what would you say to that? And how, how do you manage that sort of as you grow the team? There's two different ways of looking at it. And it's a really good question because I thought about it a lot when I started building my team and then also speaking to clients about they how they build their headcount and their teams. You can look at it from a cost effectiveness point of view. So whereby outsourcing everything you outsource is costing far more than what it would do if you bought somebody in-house. So that's sometimes the tipping point of consideration. But I think the the other point of it as well is, so yes, so some of it is around the consistency. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you're you're outsourcing it to everybody, the cost will far outweigh bringing it in-house. Um, and sometimes the consistency. So when you do outsource things, you work on their timescales, not necessarily your timescales. So sometimes your timescale needs to take priority and an in-house team will give you that more so. Um, than than outsourcing it but also the the other thing as well is around when you start bringing people into the team if you haven't we'd all ideally like six months financial buffer sitting there to know right okay we've got six months worth of salary or 12 months worth of salary and that would be an ideal situation and and we all know sometimes that's not the case but the second thing is around as long as you're honest and transparent with the team that you're bringing in and you say actually you don't need to show them the accounts or anything but you say this is the business this is what I'm looking to achieve this is going to be your part in it then more often than not people aspire and buy into that vision that you've created for your business so they're more than happy to join you Um, but it's about being honest you know corporate businesses yes we that's a given that the budgets are there for the wages for x amount of time and it's not the same in small business um you know, but it's about being open with people and they'll probably join you anyway love it oh, great insights from you Nikki there so with um with your second area which is people by people so stop selling at me uh are you able to explain that a little bit more for me please yeah it's a really big bugbear of mine and it's not just face to face um it's on socials as well more and more so um i think if you if you look like a salesperson if you talk like a salesperson if you walk like a salesperson you are a salesperson and i am instinctively going to have that barrier and a lot of people have that barrier towards the typical you know consensus of what a salesperson is and and if i take social media for example um you know we have connections come through on facebook or on linkedin um and sometimes as soon as you accept that that connection automatically they're spamming your inbox you know we can sell you this we can sell you that and it's the same on email as well when I get really generic emails um, that are sales and pitching emails it's just an absolute turn off and even if I need that product or that service I instinctively won't go there because there's no connection there's no relationship with that person and so I think if you are doing mass marketing fine but absolutely nail it 
you know, make sure that that your bob on the, the company that you're using or the in-house services are absolutely spot on because otherwise, you know, you just turn people off and you're not going to generate long lasting um, relationships with people. Yeah. It, it's just a salesperson and you're just spamming them for that quick, quick buck, quick sale. It's just, it's, yeah, complete turn off for me. Yeah, I, I know it's exactly what you're saying because that that challenge is around creating a transactional relationship, doesn't it? So even if your marketing at that point or your sales at that point is successful, uh, it doesn't really equate to a long-lasting, profitable business relationship because investing money in marketing and selling, it's certainly something that I've noticed is it takes time, it takes effort, it takes resource, and financially it can be really draining. And sometimes the success isn't... Um, you know, it isn't as worthwhile as what building meaningful relationships with people are. And I'm sure this is probably one of your other areas, but one of the things that particularly as we've worked together over time, that we've built up a long lasting relationship of trust where, you know, I've trusted you with my biggest clients to be able to provide services to them. And similarly, the other way around and vice versa as well. Um, and, and the trust that we've built up in, in, in sort of sharing uh, essentially your baby, which is the HR connect group um, and, and allowing me the opportunity to do that, but, and become a committee member. And I think, I think it's so important to have people that you build those relationships with. And I know specifically we'll talk about clients and where we're going to spend money at them initially, but essentially that that's vital, isn't it? Where you build that relationship to be able to go, do you know what, I'm here, I'm here for you and, and you've built that credibility. Mm, yeah, absolutely. And I think when I've spoken to my clients about what attracted them to contact us or how did they first hear about us, um, a lot of the time it's branding. So um, rightly or wrongly, but there's a, a perception around HR and, it's, you know, maybe around health and safety as well, that it's very, um, it's very grey, it's very straight laced, it's very boring. Um, so one of the first things that I absolutely wanted to nail was the branding. So we have the, the HR heroes and obviously you can see behind them, that's the, um, the backdrop. And so the branding comes out really loud and clear with clients to say, actually, you just stood out from the um, from the crowd. And then when they contact us and they realise that I'm exactly the same kind of in work, out work, you only, there is only one Nikki, you know, and I can have conversations, very honest and open, transparent conversations with my clients that build that relationship because they feel that they can be honest, you know, they can drop an F word, they can, they can just say, they can just be themselves. Um, and that's great for me from a client perspective, because I then get an insight into them and the culture and where the business is going and then I can help them you know and make the most of their people and and build their team accordingly you know I think that's it's really really important mm, mm. reputation's everything right I think what you find and, and we'll move on to it because it, it links quite nicely with the third area in a moment I think that when you build your business based on referrals and based on communicating your vision of uh, how business should be done and the way in which you do your business as well that brings about then clients who like will match really well with you and there'll be a really great synergy and uh, and and actually you can build meaningful lasting relationships and a profitable business off the back of it because ultimately if you're investing all that money in Nikki's put it really eloquently on her sheet that she sent through with the with a half dozen things around shitty spammy LinkedIn messages <laughs> you know it, it 
essentially that that's the foundations for which you're building a relationship. And actually, if I go to one of my clients and I go, do you know what? Let me introduce you to Nikki. She's a really good friend of mine and a business associate who I really trust. You know, all of a sudden that that business is going to be worthwhile, profitable business longer term. So it's definitely worthwhile people listening to think about investing in those relationships and making sure that you nurture the relationships, particularly with people who are likely to pass referrals and for you to do business with. And it doesn't happen overnight. It doesn't happen overnight. That trust is built over over months and years rather than anything else. So, right, the third area then is fuck them off. Trust me, do it. So I think hopefully we've led a little bit into that, haven't we? Yeah, a little bit. I think, again, if we go back to the start of the business journey, I think you you really want to establish the business. Um, you really want to get those sales in and you're very kind of money hungry. And actually you end up saying yes to far too much shit. And, and and actually, you just find that those those clients um, and I suppose uh, after five years, I can now kind of see them a mile off. You just know that they maybe want more for less um, and they are going to be the clients that absolutely are a royal pain in your backside. And to kind of go back to kind of the clients that I love working with in those referrals, most of my referrals that is still after five years come from my clients. They are amazing group of salespeople. I do very little marketing as such because they are my salespeople. Um, but when I kind of maybe tipped three years around that kind of point, um, I wrote a list and this was on advice from a lady that you know well, Pete, and other people in the business community do. And this was from Joe Bevelacqua from She Leads and also Steve Smith from Spear. And they both kind of said to me, I was constantly, um, you know, talking around the different clients and I was really trying to nail down my client avatar. And um, because we do work across multiple industries and stuff, and, and I kind of wrote a list of all of my clients. And as I was writing them, I automatically wrote the list on their clients that I engage really well with and I work really well with. And, and actually towards that towards the end of the list I thought actually why have I written them on the bottom of the list and actually they um, in a certain way were demanding and um, not particularly in bad ways or good ways or in different ways um, but actually one lesson that I did learn is that HR or employment law is the same across multiple consultants or consultancies you know we everybody can look at employment law and legislation and the government website and ACAS etc etc so if you was to scan me across three or four other consultants actually 80% of our services might be the same but what's very very different is the person that's delivering it's it's me and it's uh, what I do is very very different and that comes through with the branding and the communications and the support that we we give our clients you know but so the clients at the bottom of the list might be better suited to, to other consultants and, and other businesses that were more tailored for that. But actually all they were doing was maybe draining my time and draining my energy and draining my effort. And actually that partnership wasn't quite, wasn't quite what it needed to be. Um, so every single year now, what I do is I, I review my clients, my retainer clients, and, and I identify the bottom 10%. And it's a continual kind of turnover. And it's not around breaking those those working relationships it's about having on, uh, honest conversations to say what do you need from me from your people services from your recruitment your training and your HR services and actually helping them to transition to other consultancies where they might be better matched but actually what that does for me and what that will do for people's businesses is you will free up so much time because you don't have that drain on your energy and it allows you to focus on on the clients that you are better suited to. 100%. I, you know, that 
that resonates so much with me what you're saying the the fact that it's so important to categorize your customers and and understand sort of as you get busier because it's so true when you first start out that there's that race to income uh, and there's that race to a client base and along the way you do like you say you say yes to everything you're like a dog hump in a tree or at least i was anyway um, <laughs> and uh you know i i, I spent so much time chasing or i spent so much time chasing business and you end up with a client base who probably aren't a good fit like you quite rightly pointed out and i think it's it's so important to understand what your ideal client is and how you serve them best and then when you review that it's it's sort of essentially when you kick people into touch it's a case of or it even gives you an opportunity to have a conversation and go do you know what I, I can serve you a lot better if you do this for example or if you stop doing that particularly with what we do around compliance uh, and vehicle operators and being able to speak to them and just say look do you know what we're taking a real risk here and one of the things that i've picked up from doing a similar thing was actually i've stopped i've stopped marketing our our training services to drivers individually um and i'm quite open and trans, transparent about it and when drivers do get in touch for us to do training whilst we do offer open driver cpc courses still uh we don't actively market them because it's so difficult and it's so price driven and we don't offer a price driven service we offer a quality service which the price is then determined by the level of quality um, and I am more than happy to stand my seven hours of driver CPC up against anyone in the industry and know that we're offering a better quality experience. And by that, it doesn't, it isn't the cheapest. So we don't get into the price. Well, there's companies out there that charge half what we do for the same course. And I don't know how they do it. I don't know how they get a trainer who's qualified and got the level of experience into a room and that they must be maxing out on numbers every time, which is so hard to guarantee when you're dealing with a driver here and a driver there. So we, we, we just stopped doing it. We just stopped doing it. And we would only deal with the larger companies and, um, you know, they don't argue with the price. They're more than happy with the price because they know that the drivers they're getting back is the, uh, you know, the experience they're getting is what they need to be able to perform better when they're back in the workplace. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and you're absolutely right on price point. It's like when I first started going out and then I started building the team, um, I tried to do benchmarking to some extent with competitors and I couldn't sometimes understand actually how they could go in at a rate that they were. But actually when you understand the dynamics, um, especially within HR, so yes, there is an expectation of membership and the CIPD and there's an expectation in regards to CPD and the, and the level. Um, and I always had the... Um, you know, the understanding that actually to start my own consultancy, I needed to be a master's degree qualified. And actually nobody would take, take me seriously from a credibility point until I have um, a, a master's degree. And, and actually I've learned some lessons on that because um, my reputation has been built by the referrals of clients who, are, who I've done, you know, a good job for. Um, but yes, qualifications are a, a certain level, but actually my expectation, my internal expectation is around that expert status and knowing what I know and building a team. And I've built a team of qualified HR practitioners who, again, have not only the qualifications to a high level, but also have a range of different experiences to match it. 
where within some competitors, actually a lot of their work is completed by non-HR professionals, rightly or wrongly, that's not for me to comment on, you know, but they're, um, they are administrators. And yes, there's a lot of information available online. I get that. And ACAS and the government website, et cetera, are great starting points. But actually the service, the, the, um, the difference between some sources of support and, and myself is that we take that guidance that's very top level and tries to fit itself around lots of different situations. And we interpret that to the needs of the individual business, not the industry, but the business as well. And we then work through those people support alongside best practice and guidance. And that's the difference between some companies that do go in at a very low level because they're literally kind of a copy and paste from ACAS and very generic support. And actually we're very different and I'm, I'm more than comfortable with our price point based on like you said that quality definitely i think when you when you look at the verbose nature of guidance in legislation and i know that you deal with a particular type with employment law and we deal with a particular type of compliance with health and safety and with transport and it's in the interpretation of that that is so important in the application to the client that is where the value is that is where as a business we create and I, I class us very similarly but it's where we then create the value for the client because it's a case of this is the law this is what you need to do to implement it and to ensure that you're doing the right thing now one of the things that's quite interesting just listening to you talk about that Nikki was I've just and I see the smile there's like a smile not quite creeping on there but talk to me a bit about why you feel that expert is so important and being an expert in your field so um, you know all too well. Um, I I love understanding the dynamics of individuals and the dynamics of team, um, and helping you build your team. We've used a particular model, haven't we? And that's called motivational mapping. And what I love about motivational mapping is where the very historic and old school psychiatric assessments almost identified somebody's personality and put them in a box and said, that's you, that's all you're ever going to be characteristic wise. Actually, motivational mapping is not a psychometric assessment tool. Um, it's very, very different. And it looks at people's nine core motivators and it understands that through life, natural transition of life, and then with um, the variance of particular dynamics and impacts, your motivations can change. And if I, um, I use the example of stereotypically, if you're very young, um, you probably have less responsibilities or financial constraints. So your motivators might be more geared towards um, your friendship, your sociability, your disposable income, it, it's around that where typically as we grow older, we take on more responsibility, we might start families, we might have rents or mortgages, so actually our motivators are more geared towards stability um, and um, personal or professional development, so things can naturally change with motivational uh, mapping and that identifies that, but then there were also situations that can happen which are completely unexpected so for example a relationship breakdown or redundancy and that can very clearly change the natural order of your motivations and what you have to have as a priority so my two motivators which you know very well Pete are expert um, and also spirit so expert is around um, I 
I'm like a sponge. I constantly want to learn. I constantly want to be the best that I've ever um, uh, that I can be. And it's not about being better than anybody else. That's not the point of expert. Expert is around your own internal sense of accomplishment. And, and then spirit is around autonomy and flexibility um, and being able to create something fulfilling for me without feeling um, strained. So when I was employed, I used to think that I was a bit of a problem child because I always used to be that person who had an issue with authority. And maybe some of my line managers might watch this and, and laugh a little bit. But um, I naturally went into management um, because that gave me a sense of autonomy. However, starting my own business, I now recognise that I could never go back into employment again um, because the sense of being micromanaged from line managers or anybody above me is so um, constraining and makes me feel so demotivated. It just makes me feel incredibly uncomfortable. So I have to have that high level of autonomy in what I do. But I only recognise that through motivational mapping. You know, and that's why I use it in so many of my recruitment processes and team building um, activities. It's just incredibly useful. Yeah, absolutely. As an advocate for motivational mapping and, and Nikki doing it for people that are listening, I found I found it really insightful because I am also high searcher. Although search is my second, I need to have autonomy too. And I think that's the entrepreneurial spirit, the the look for meaning and freedom. Am I am I right, Nikki? Is that sort of yeah, yeah. searcher is all about purpose and meaning and being fulfilled. If you're doing something for the sake of doing it, you'll lose interest and become demotivated. You need to have that end point. Yeah, and I'm I'm definitely the problem child when I was uh when I, and the thought I actually find it excruciatingly painful to even consider going and working for someone else in the future I find that a real real challenge but yeah my my biggest is builder so just remind me a little bit what builder is and and what yeah. it looks like because to me it makes it kind of sounds a little bit like you're really focused around money and 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 that sort of thing is that is that right it's there. Sometimes it might be the British perce- perception of, uh, of of money and being money orientated. Actually, that's not a bad thing. And I think that's an education and a learning thing. But Builder, yes, absolutely, is around um, being focused on money and wealth and luxury and um, everything that that brings. But it's it's more than that. It's about working hard to achieve a lifestyle of which you've created um, and that whole I work hard play hard and this is what I've got to show for it and it's it's all by your own accomplishment sometimes as well is built into that um that build. yeah it's really interesting when I when I think about my motivation and I look at it because in the future as Nikki and I have shared and I'm more than happy to share with you one day I'm going to have a Lamborghini and I'm going to have opportunity to be able to make choices for myself and my family and that's really really important that I'm able to do it but more importantly than the actual financial situation of that is knowing that I can and and knowing that I have the freedom and the spirit I suppose to be able to be the person that can make that happen Um, and hopefully that sort of crystallizes what what a builder probably is um, but that's that, that's sort of how how it feels to me um, and uh, I feel quite confident that over time that will happen and I think I think the challenge that a lot of people face is that they try and rush too hard and want now 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 and get greedy and what have you and actually you know we've got we've got forever to be able to to get there and one of the things that I found when I started out was I was really and it's a bit like making that quick sale sort of going back to making that quick sale and going for going for the the quick wins and and what have you that actually it's not so much about the end point it's about 
enjoying the journey and making sure the journey's right and making sure you're doing things you enjoy. And one of the benefits whilst we're talking about motivational mapping is that what by having that level of awareness of yourself, but also of your team, you can start to find work that's really motivating as well, which will then keep you engaged. It will keep your team members engaged. And it gives everyone a really good opportunity to be able to deliver their best work, I suppose. Is that is that fair to say, Nikki? Yeah, and also, Pete, it's worth saying that, um, so I used to do a lot of mediation, um, and sometimes you will have two individuals who are incredibly good at what they do, what they do so for example you might have um, an accounts director and a sales director you know and instinctively you know those two characters are very different characters probably um, but they they may get on very well but actually I've dealt with situations conflict situations where I've had to go in and previously do motivation um, I do motivation mapping with them now but previously I would have had to do conflict management and, and resolution with them and I would have had to do mediation and it's a painstaking process sometimes um, trying to rebuild those relationships and, and one of the things that's absolutely nailed mediation and I now find it a really enjoyable experience is because the first thing I do with both of the parties is complete motivational mapping because nine times out of ten you will find somebody that's a high spirit versus somebody that's a high defender so a defender likes stability security and um, sense structure um, where somebody that's a spirit is highly autonomous and uh, you know somebody that's a creator is highly creative um, innovative and you just by talking through and identifying each of the parties they start to see actually you're not doing it just to get at me you're not doing it to be problematic actually this is not personal this is just our makeup this is what what motivates us and the understanding just changes the dynamic of of conflict um, and makes the process so much easier but again before I started um, understanding motivational mapping and becoming a motivational um, mapper itself we would spend days and days completing conflict management and sometimes not end up with a resolution where one of those amazing people actually left the business. Mm. So motivational mapping from that perspective is, is great as well. Isn't, isn't that a massive loss when you have two talented people that end up uh, leaving the business? So, okay, fantastic. So we veered off a little bit off track from fuck them off, just do it. Um, but we're on to the fourth one, which is doing the right thing even when no one's watching. So yeah. talk to me about that integrity piece. So again, I suppose it kind of lends itself to the salesperson concept. And it's about, you know, knowing people, liking them, trusting them. It's about building meaningful relationships. And I think more so within um, my profession, because it's very service driven. It's not a product that can just be purchased. And that's the only touch point or contact you have with a client. These are long um, working relationships. So when it's doing the right thing, even when nobody's watching, it's around integrity. Um, it's about that honesty. And I think when you build your business, there will be lots of people that will present things to you. And they will, um, I always say about wrapping shit in glitter and expecting it to smell nice. You know, it, it just doesn't happen. You know, there are opportunities that present themselves that aren't opportunities. Um, they're the chance maybe for a quick book but normally to somebody else's detriment. And that's not how you build a credible business. That's not how you build a reputation, which is long-term, um, which has the potential uh, of growth. Um, you know, So it's just going out there. And even when nobody's watching, even when nobody's listening, do the things that you know, build respect and build trust. 
um, you know, and making sure that you, uh, I think if you have to think about whether something's right or wrong, it's wrong. You know, that's it. The fact that you have to think about it, it, it would normally tell you that it's wrong or it needs further exploring. Um, but again, I've seen so many businesses over the last five years that for a multitude of reasons have made a decision, uh, maybe for a quick sale or, or whatever, but actually it's undermined or it's caused a detriment to somebody else. And actually it's spectacularly come back and bitten them in the backside. And, and if you go against your own integrity or you don't have the morals that you should do, maybe, um, you know, then, then that will, you know, that will come out within your business percent and um i think that leads us nicely so i'm i'm kind of rounding these back to your to your profession i hope that's okay but let's okay. talk about how that then fits and why it's so important to have values within yeah. your business because that that's such a strong value that isn't it that essentially we have that integrity as a business as an organization but also as an entrepreneur which um which i know you feel uncomfortable with that but you are nikki yeah, thanks. <laughs> Sorry for the listeners. That was a bit of an in-joke, and I know that that'll have filled Nikki with dread. So I'm going to give her a minute to compose herself for a minute whilst I've... That was probably a bit naughty of me, to be honest. Thanks. I'll just there. And I shouldn't have done that. I do apologise. But That's yeah, fine. That's fine. Believe... That's funny. I'll give you that one. Say again, sorry? That's funny. I'll give you that one. <laughs> okay, cool. So talk to me a little bit more about why values and outlining values as a business is so yeah. important and what sort so, of values you live by yeah so if we take um if we base it from a, a client perspective um like i said there are lots and lots of hr consultants and consultancies um that can look at the legislation and interpret it and they do their own things and they run their businesses in the way that they feel you know it should be and that's absolutely fine um, when we start working with clients, I'm always very, very clear about kind of what we do and, and what we don't. And our strap line is taking the hassle out of HR. And it's not taking the hassle out of HR by doing things um, that will undermine uh, a client's reputation or it will cause detriment to the employees. Um, I don't tell clients what they can't do. Um, I tell them what they can do. You know, business owners can actually do anything they want as long as they've got deep enough pockets to pay out at the end, you know, and that kind of makes makes them smile when I say that. Um, but it's, it's talking to them around um, what the bare bones of legislation is, okay, and then also what a best practice is. And sometimes those things can look very, very different, okay. There are some businesses, some industries um, that, that do just follow the letter of the law and then there are other businesses that for whatever reason want to put themselves out and want to create a culture and environment that looks different um, so they do go by best practice and I feel that my job especially to a small business and obviously always considering small businesses don't sometimes have the budgets to create as much best practice as they want um, but it's about being very clear okay this is the situation that we're talking about the legislation, the absolute minimum that you need to do is X, Y, and Z. However, a best practice would include A, B, C. And then it's not forcing them to make a choice. It's their choice to make, but it's about helping them to understand how the different decisions can impact the culture and the business they're trying to grow and how that impacts on employees. Love that. That's uh, you've you've really uh, crystallised that beautifully, and I was ch I was chuckling to myself when you said about 
essentially you can do anything you want, but as long as you've got deep enough pockets. I think of uh, Billions and uh, there's the guy on there and he like wants to buy every book that's come out because someone's pissed him off. And he goes to the PA, right, buy every single copy. And she goes, but do you know how much that's going to cost? And he goes, well, it's a good thing I'm fucking rich then. <laughs> I'd love to be in a position to make a call like that one day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Anyway, but yeah, that's what happens when people cross us, Nikki, isn't it? Absolutely. Yes, it is. <laughs> so talk to me a little bit what, whilst we're talking about that. So on to the fifth area, which is strategic partners. Um, yeah. And obviously the opposite of effing people off, strategic partners is about building those long-term relationships with like-minded businesses and people, I suppose. Yeah, so um, some people start out their business with a very clear understanding that marketing is is key and it's all about driving sales um, and therefore any money that they've got in that initial startup pot, um, a certain amount of it is automatically allocated towards sales and marketing and advertising, um, where actually I took a different approach. Um, and even now, I'm touching wood as I say this, um, five years later, we still don't do any direct marketing. Um because again, I feel incredibly fortunate that we have a natural flow of sales, um, which is growing the business very healthily. Um, and how I've done that is I was um, incredibly fortunate to be introduced to people that are now really strategic and they're, they're strategic partners. Um, so individuals who run their own businesses, who have a very, very similar client avatar, um, and have a similar business model. So you naturally refer in between yourselves. And this is not, you have to refer me X amount of businesses. This is not referrals for money or anything like that. It's because you complement each other in the business owner's values um, and that whole integrity and what you want out of your businesses um, and personalities and things as well. There's been opportunities for me to create strategic partnerships with people over the, the last five years and I haven't done because from a personality point of view or a values point of view I just knew that there wasn't quite that match that I needed um, you know so by doing that I can naturally lead my clients to quality services whether it be training whether it be first aid whether it be compliance whether it be health and safety um, and you know I've got a very tight cluster of strategic partners who are absolutely my salespeople, and I guarantee every single week week in week out I have referrals good quality referrals come through you know email phone the door whatever um from those strategic partners yeah. so absolutely whether you meet them through networking whether you meet them through um the business relationships that you have with people already but if i was going to give a new business owner starting out uh, a hint and tip it's save your pennies and and stay away from the salespeople spammy inbox emails and social media platforms stop spamming people and build quality referrals through strategic partners. Yeah, I love it. And to be to be fair, I must say the other day Nikki got one of our flagship newsletters, and she I got an email straight back going, "Who added me to the email list?" And I was like, "You've always been on the email list, Nikki. You must have just been going in your spam box or something." <laughs> but I can see I it triggered you. Yeah. It triggered you already. Like I'm not having this, Pete. You're yeah. getting a message back. <laughs> Yeah, it does. Absolutely. And it's it's the same as if I go back from a, a HR business community as well. So HR Connect, I'm I'm all about, as is the other committee members, about being building an inclusive network of HR practitioners, because 
the amount of expertise and experience just within Peterborough and the wider Cambridgeshire area is so amazing and so big. Um, but we seem to be a profession where we hold all of our experience and, uh, and expertise really close to us because that's our property and we've spent years building that and actually that's crazy and it's rubbish um, and it's about knocking down those perceptions and building a community and and one of the things that I've done over the last couple of years is try and push out my network of HR practitioners and say naturally want to jump, uh, jump on zoom or do you want to grab a coffee and what is it you do and how do you do it because I guarantee that there are going to be cases where I've already had involvement so from an impartiality point of view I can't be involved in certain elements of the process and I want that um, that network of HR practitioners, really credible and, ex um, and experienced HR practitioners that I can ring up and go, do you want to pick up a case for me? Actually, can you support this client because I haven't got capacity or, or whatever? And I found that quite challenging because there's two types of, there seems to be two camps of HR practitioners one that are really open and welcome the opportunity to network and, and build that community, and others who are, are really reluctant and quite fearful of of me kind of contacting them out of the blue going hi how are you do you want to grab a coffee um you know so that's yeah that's definitely something from a strategic point of view it doesn't have to be somebody where you can you know cross refer clients actually it can be people who do exactly what you do but just in a different way and you can support each other that way as well yeah i love that and that's uh there's two key learnings from that one is if nikki rings you for a coffee blooming go for one <laughs> don't don't think that it's a threat and 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 secondly i think the the key thing is is that it's that information isn't it so like we live in a time now where information's like throwaway you know we can google pretty much anything you could look at acas for a lot of different stuff right but actually the real value is in the know-how and in the implementation because you know a great example is this evening i've given away freely of loads of knowledge that I've built over the past 20 years of various mental health challenges that I may have faced and that, that I've come across and that I've experienced but I've just given that away and that's no issue by me because as soon as someone's got a question related to it they're not going to find the answer they've got to come back to me to go do you know what actually how do I do that how do I implement that because that's where the skill is isn't it and actually you know Nikki it, you've got that you've got that and and you've got a team of people that around you that you'll be able to rely on and that's what building a strategic partnership is all about isn't it and the amount of money that a new business can save by making sure that they build that because do you know what you can spend all the money you want on pay-per-click advertising seo generating facebook advertising and if if what you offer is consumerist then no problem that's fine because it's a transactional relationship actually if you want to offer business services and trusted business advisory services similar to what you do um, the value of having someone pre-qualified knowing them that they're not going to fit into your bottom 10 percent that you're going to have to get rid of next year anyway is vitally valuable isn't it yeah yeah absolutely absolutely excellent, excellent. cool so the sixth area which i yeah. think is going to be super interesting talk to me about prioritizing yourself first and always yeah, it is. And, and when I wrote these, obviously, this has been a long time coming, hasn't it? Kind of months. Um, so when I wrote this, it, it meant something more actually to the crazy world that we've kind of been through um, in the whole lockdown. Um, and the whole hashtag be kind, I think, kind of fits into this this as well but it's almost that realization and that really cheesy saying that if you always do what you've always done 
you're always going to get what you've always got and if you work at 100 miles an hour if you say yes to everything if you are constantly on the go and you don't have that that time for yourself in whatever it might be it, it might just you know be in a podcast it might just be listening to music it just might be reading a book it might be taking a walk whatever it is it doesn't matter um but actually you have to establish something as a business owner where you have that switch off because if you constantly like like I did and I suppose I definitely say it from experience and everybody that knows me knows it very very well you could ring me at eight o'clock in the morning you could ring me at seven I'd pick up the phone and I'd probably be working and you could ring me at eight o'clock and nine o'clock and you could ring me at ten o'clock and I'd still pick up the phone and it got to a point where I got so busy I was prioritizing everybody else um, to deliver that great level of service but what I wasn't doing is prioritizing myself and that core you can only sustain it for so long however whatever anybody says if they said that they can carry on they can carry on I would flat out in their face call them a liar because you can't it's not sustainable and what we've, we've seen through the pandemic is highlighting that when it first happened everybody started working from home there was a fear of the unknown and everyone was running on adrenaline and it was a real merge sometimes between that work-life balance for a lot of people. Um, and I take the people that were furloughed out of this. Um, but when people worked from home, there were more hours being worked. There was a lot more like roll your sleeves up and crack on. We need to get this done. We need to deliver this for ourselves, for the business, for our clients. Um, but now because it's gone on for so long, actually, it's not just physical exhaustion. Sometimes you can sleep and overcome physical exhaustion, but the emotional um, detriment that you can have through constantly having your mind going without any downtime can cause a massive massive issue and from a business owner perspective if you get to that point where emotionally you are exhausted um, you're not productive you're not focusing on growing your business you're not getting your better yourself out of your business you're not delivering the best to your clients there's so many detriments <coughs> excuse me so it's it's always understanding what the priorities are and it's finding some strategy that works for you where you can you can identify what's urgent, what's a priority, what needs to be done by end of day, what needs to be done by the week, what needs to be done within the month, you know, whatever your time scales are and actually what's nice to do. And it's trying as much as possible to be be accountable in a sense of, right, this is this is my home time, this is my finish time. Um, whether you are a night owl like I am, I probably work better at night than first thing in the morning. Um, sometimes I resemble an exhausted pigeon because I'm in the mornings and at night. But it's it's just having that way of working that works for you, where you do allow yourself to recognise I just need to take some time for myself, and it's okay to say I'm not okay. It's okay to say this week's been a really shit week. I'm not working this weekend. It, it's okay just to turn your phone off or put you out of office on, you know, and it's about us all recognising that. We don't have to be martyrs. We don't have to be at this level all the time. It's about recognising where our level is and being honest with ourselves. Love that. <laughs> you know what? That's so true. And when I recruited our two team members uh, in the summer, lockdown had happened things had really cranked up business had rebranded we were doing a load of new services i was absolutely working my backside off and you know took on someone on a 21 hour a week contract and someone on a full-time contract in the business and within a month they both said to me we're at capacity pretty much and i was like 
oh my God, how on earth was I coping? And that isn't me, Billy Big Bollock, saying how great I am. I think what it is, is when you're a frog in the in the pot and the heat starts turning up, I don't think you realise, or people don't realise the capacity they can actually create in themselves by systemising stuff and doing things themselves, and business owners particularly. But burnout's real, you know? And I think you keep taking on and keep taking on and all of a sudden your plate overflows and what have you, but what will happen? And because I so nearly experienced it is then it only takes us because you've got so many plates spinning it only takes the smallest thing to trigger something, which could be catastrophic because you're at terminal velocity and you just haven't got the time. And all of a sudden everything comes crashing down around you. And that is the potentially the most catastrophic thing that could happen. And I don't mean to catastrophize, but it should be a wake up call to people to realize that, do you know what? Like it's, it's like the old adage of, and it's a real cliche, but on the airplane, if you don't put your oxygen mask on first, who's going to put everyone else's on. Right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It is. It's like, um, you know, I've got a friend of mine um, and she's absolutely obsessed with horses. Her name's Katie. She loves horses. And um, she said to me more than a few times, I've, I've known her since our oldest children were born. So kind of 16 years. Um, and she's often said to me, you know, whenever I say all oh, you what you've been up to or you're working or oh, you sat with your laptop and you're writing a blog or you're doing this, or you're doing that, you know, you need a hobby. Why don't you get a horse? And I couldn't think of anything worse than having a horse. Um, and it's quite hard sometimes for me to, to be able to explain to people that um, sometimes I feel like a bit of a saddo, but actually I've got a genuine interest, passion for what I do. Like I love understanding team dynamics. I love understanding the legislation that backs up and allows us to form best practice and how that looks so very different in every single case that we deal with and every single business that I'm involved in. And I'm not a massive telly person or a film person or, or anything. And, um, you know, some evenings I would much rather be sat with the music on in the background, reading through kind of different reports or blogs or, and that's my reading. That's the same as somebody who's mad on, you know, Spenders or Coronation Street or whatever. That just, just completely turns me off. I've got no interest in that at all. But some people think that, you know, but you haven't got a life. Why are you doing that? Actually, I do that because I've got a genuine, like I said, an interest and a, a passion for it. But it's about, again, especially when you do have that passion, it's about acknowledging when enough is enough. And um, probably like you, Pete, having that kind of red and, and the motivations that we do. Um, if we make what some people would see as a really, really simple minor error, we will kick ourselves harder than anybody else could kick us. Um, and I will literally replay things like that over and over. How did that happen? Why did it happen? What do I need to do to stop that from happening again? And, and actually, it might be really, really small. And, and I think that's a good thing to have because you learn from everything. Um, but I know that if that happens or that happens a couple of times, then that's my limit. That's when I need to go, right, OK, I just need to escape for the weekend. I just need to. I love going out to different parts of the UK outside of lockdown obviously that's hampered it this year um just to take myself away from the setting and that's my reset and I come back and I'm completely reset and recharged and, and ready to go again but it's learning what that looks like for you everybody has different figures love it absolutely <laughs> thank you Nikki um such a great insight into into how you're operating and and just as you as a business owner as well. So I really appreciate you being so open and sharing with me as well. So if the listeners uh, want to follow you or, or learn more about your business and what you do, where, where would they find you, Nikki? 
Yeah, so um, the website is HR Your Business Matters and we're also on Facebook and LinkedIn. Um, you can go through to the groups um, or you can come through to HR Connect if you're a HR practitioner um, or you can drop me an email and that's nikki at hr-yourbusinessmatters.co.uk. Brilliant. Thank you very much, Nikki. I really appreciate you joining me today and sharing sharing your awesome insights with the audience. So audience, if you're listening and you've enjoyed it, please do like, share, subscribe, leave us a comment. Uh, Nikki is like, she mentioned about being red earlier, but she is really red and she's going to want those downloads. So make sure you share it, get those downloads in. She's got some awesome insights to share, but do reach out, have a chat with her. She actually shares really generously the information and knowledge that she's gained over so many years so um you know she's not she's not going to just put you straight on the clock and start billing you catch up with her have a chat she's going to build a relationship and one that's really worthwhile over a long period of time so uh yeah thank you very much everyone for listening i hope you enjoyed today's episode i really hope you loved today's episode and if you did please make sure you subscribe and listen out for future episodes too Please do share it across your social media channels. We hope to reach more and help more people. If you want to find out more about me, my name's Pete Rushmer. You'll find me across any social media channel and my business, Flagship Partners. And we're your partners in success across your business. Thank you. See you again soon.